In the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Must have been about six years ago, I was leading group therapy on psychiatry, and there was a young woman in there, probably about 20 years old, I think, and she was complaining bitterly about her parents and the horribly oppressive regime that she had to live under. And so we asked her about this, you know, what, what, what did they do? And she said, well, they w don't want me to use drugs, and they don't want me to drink, and they think my boyfriend's a loser, and they believe that I should go back to school or else get a job. Wow, we said. How unreasonable can you get? And somebody else in the group says, why don't you just move out? Well, I don't have any money. <laughs> That's because you don't work. <laughs> So, but she, she uh, then concluded, she had a plan. She said, uh, when I'm out of here, then I'm going to move out to California. There's a guy out there that I can stay with. I'm going to move out there. And then I'll be free. And I thought, wow, you really believe that, don't you? This is what we call in chemical dependency circles being sincerely deluded. This is beyond denial. Denial is when, that's the, the, the lies you tell other people, but you know they're lies. You're just trying to get away with something. Delusion is a step beyond that. That's when you actually believe your own horse hockey. You believe your own lies. You're convinced, sincerely deluded. That's what she was. And, you know, I said, does this guy out in California perchance do drugs? Well, yeah, he does, but that doesn't mean I have to. Really? We'll see how that goes. And, uh, and, and does this guy expect anything in return for you living there? Oh, no, no. He's, he's just a friend. I said, yeah, I know, guys. Uh, so she couldn't see. And then, then her, her um, uh, shoplifting, too, that was kind of a pattern with her. She couldn't see that she was going to be in worse bondage than she already was. She thought she was going to be made free. And she was going to be in bondage to drugs, in bondage to this guy, probably in bondage to jail when she got caught for shoplifting. And then she would be in bondage to the other women in jail because she wasn't that tough. She thought she was free. She was sincerely deluded. That's what happened in today's gospel lesson. Jesus was talking to the Jews. And these were people who believed in him, not just the religious leaders who were always doubting him and trying to find something. These were people who believed in Jesus, and they're still this deluded. Jesus said to them, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they were offended at that. Well, what do you mean by saying, be made free? We're descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaved to anyone. That is laugh out loud funny. Jesus must have had all he could do to keep from busting out at that point. Because what a sense of historylessness. What do you mean, you've never been slave to anyone? What about that 300 years in Egypt? Remember when you were oppressed so hard you could not stand? The Lord had to send Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go, 300 years is enough. When he had to send 10 plagues to convince Pharaoh, and the last one was the, the killing of the firstborn, unless you had the blood of the lamb painted over the door. And if you had that, then the angel of death would pass over. Hence, the greatest festival of Judaism, the Passover. 
Did you forget all that? Well, if you don't know your history, I'm sure Jesus was thinking, what about current events? You see these Roman soldiers walking up and down the streets of Jerusalem, all over Palestine? What do you think they're for? You are a conquered vassal state of the mighty Roman Empire. Sincerely deluded. They actually thought they were free. On another front, other than civil freedom, there is spiritual freedom. And that's what Jesus said. He said, well, anybody who commits sin is a slave to sin. But if the Son makes you free, then you will be free indeed. Now, there was a fellow 500 years ago by the name of Martin Luther. He's right up there, Flat Marty. And he knew that he was a slave to sin. That he was at least ahead of the game and that he wasn't sincerely deluded that he wasn't enslaved by his sin. He knew he was. And he felt it so powerfully that he tried to appease God by literally beating himself up and, and figuratively beating himself up over his sin too. And none of it helped. He, did, he was tormented by his bondage to sin. And, you know, we confess that every Sunday. Did, I don't know if you paid attention to this again, but did you hear yourself at the beginning of the service? We confess that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. Did, did you hear that? Did you know it? Did you believe it? It's true. We're in bondage to sin. And Luther felt that. And he tried desperately to do, do enough to appease God in some way. And it just didn't work. Until finally his mentor, a fellow by the name of Staupitz, said to him, Brother Martin, you need to reread the book of Romans and the Gospel of John. You need to read that as if you've never read it before and see if you can find something in there to relieve your obsession with your guilt over your sin. And so he did. He read our two lessons, uh, the second and third lesson today, Romans and Gospel of John. And in there, it, he, Luther said, it hit me like a bolt of lightning. He, it was, I've read this, and I've seen it, and I never saw it. It's like when you're looking for something at home, and you've seen it in the drawer, and then you act like you haven't seen it. I know, Mike, you've done that, so... Um, uh, I have too. And then Deborah goes, you couldn't find anything if it weren't for me. It's like, it's, and, and, and by the way, wives do that so that their husbands m make sure that they f they're, they're needed. Uh, so anyway, uh, you've seen something, you've looked at it many times, and you still, you, you can't recognize it. Luther said it just hit him like a bolt of lightning. That was his, he, it was his, his Aufklärung. Auf Deutsch, which means his, his enlightenment, his aha, his, oh, I could have had a V8. I never saw that moment. His Aufklärung. And he said, he said, that's it, isn't it? I don't have to pay for my sin. Somebody already did that for me. And all I have to do is believe that he did that and then be grateful that he did that. That's all it is. For we believe that we are justified by God's grace as a gift. And that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. And he said, holy cow, it's been there the whole time and I never saw it. 
and the church that he was in, the medieval church at the time, they were pretty interested in law and order and keeping people in line. And most, 90% of the peasants couldn't read or write. And so they were not encouraged. They were discouraged from reading the scriptures, as a matter of fact. And they didn't know. They didn't hear the gospel message. The Pope told the priest what to say. The priest told the people, and the people did it. And that was about it. They didn't know about this. And Martin Luther said, we have, this, this has to change. We need to be sharing God's grace. Because he started looking in the scriptures, and it was everywhere. It was all throughout the gospels and the epistle lessons. It was in the Old Testament, God's promise of being there for his people. He, said, he started to see it everywhere, and he said, this is what we should be talking about, God's grace and God's promise to be with us. And so he began to question things in the church. And, of course, with any powerful organization, and the church and the government were pretty much the same thing at that time. You couldn't tell where one started and the other one left off. And so he was, um, he was very... Bill, let somebody in out there. <clears throat> he was very concerned about that. And uh, he just thought everybody in the church should know that. That's the way it goes. And it got him in real trouble. And, and eventually he was excommunicated and people started following what he said. And then they eventually, those followers came to be called Lutherans. Luther didn't tr set out to start his own denomination, by the way, and name it after himself. It, that, that just kind of happened as things went on. So, that grace, what people were concerned about in the church, I believe, at that time, is in some ways the same thing the church, Christian church is concerned about today. And that is, if we tell people that they are free, there will be anarchy. People will run out and do any darn thing they want. You're free. But what they didn't understand is that freedom always implies responsibility. If you are free to do something, that doesn't necessarily mean you will do it. It means you are free to respond in love and service. And the reason we have laws in our country is because people are not responsible with freedom sometimes. You know, why do you have speed limits out here on the road? Because if you didn't, you know, people still uh, go over the speed limit, but if you didn't, they'd go 90 instead of, you know, 60 and a 40. So, and I know that, I've done it. <laughs> and have the past tickets to prove it. <laughs> so my, I felt the freedom and I didn't recognize the responsibility is the way it went. And then I saw red and blue lights and I thought, oh, I should have been a little more responsible, shouldn't I have? Yeah, but freedom for us means, spiritual freedom means not that we do any darn thing we want, it means we can do the things that we were created to do. If we could truly know our own true will, we would find that our will of what we want to do would line up exactly with what God's will is for us. If we could truly know our own true will. We would, God has plans for us that are better than ours. And it would, it would line up with what God wants. And it would go a lot better. So freedom, yes, we have that. But what we are free to do is to love and to serve. In years gone past when my parents were alive, I always used to save up all my vacation time and put it together in three lumps in the year so I could go up at uh, planting time, 
um, first cutting of hay and working cattle in June and harvest time in the fall because that's when my dad needed help the most. And people wondered, you know, why I would do that. Well, it wasn't because I was such a wonderful son. It was because they were such wonderful parents. That's why I did it. I would have done more if I could have. What I was giving back was just a scratch on the dent of the surface of what I owed for that kind of upbringing. I would have done more, gladly. And that's where we are as Christians. We don't have to do stuff to appease God. We don't have to do stuff to look really right. All we have to do is accept the grace we've been given and then thank God by loving and serving others. That's the Reformation message. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.